0: When you're trying to get better and trying to get help, you need to look at the strength that you gain from those experiences. That's what's going to get you back up. That's what made me stand up after you know, trying to take my life. I thought, well, hell, I've, I've been to hell. I can't go any lower. The only thing for me to do then was to re- rebuild something that had been crumbling for years. That was a strength I drew from what I'd been through that allowed me to stand back up.
1: That was endurance athlete Kieran Douglas, and this is episode 28 of the Running Deep podcast. And welcome back. To this week's episode of the Running Deep Podcast with me, your host, Kent Mullins. Now for the avid listeners of the podcast, I know what you're thinking. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> um, Kent, it's two weeks in a row, three weeks in a row, you've got something out. I'm getting that content out. Yeah. I'm really um focusing on, you know, on my days off, making sure I have a podcast lined up and an episode. So this week I had Kieran Douglas in. Um, I connected with Kieran through, of course, social media, and you know we've we've been trying to get this episode up and running for I think, yeah, about a year now. Um, we both have kids. We both know how it goes. Life happens, and everything in between. Um, but look, I will give you guys a bit of a um, a bit of a trigger warning. Um, there is a lot to do. Or it's got a lot to do with domestic violence and sexual abuse. Um, there are things that were covered uh, between Kieran and I, and yeah, look, we we went deep on this one. We went really, really deep. Um, it it that parts quite emotional. There were some parts where I had to hold back some tears, uh, and and so did Kieran. Look, and I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk too much about um, what was said throughout this episode, I'll leave that for the episode, um, but yeah, it it, it is a bit of a trigger warning, um, there is definitely, definitely, um, some talk of sexual abuse in that one, but other than that, Kieran is an amazing guy, uh, he's an ultra-endurance athlete, you know, he's run 350 kilometers before, he's done a number of ultra-endurance uh, races on the Gold Coast here, Overall, just a really good guy. Uh, he's a conservationist, which we didn't get too much into. Um, I don't think we got into that at all. However, we really get to see what um, Kieran's upbringing was like, and you know, just the just the healing process of what he's actually been through. Because I can tell you right now, I don't wish an I don't wish it upon any of my enemies, anyone at all. Kieran has been to hell and back, and hell and back again. He He's a very, very resilient man and, you know, I I can't wait to share his story with you guys. I can't wait for you guys to listen and uh, take what you can from the conversation because I'll let you know again, it's heavy, but I know you guys can handle it and I know you guys want to hear what he has to say. So please enjoy the conversation with me and Kieran Douglas. Kieran. We're doing it. Thank you so much for uh, driving down from Brizzy to do this. And uh, before we get started, I think this is a good time to let you know um, it is a bit of a privilege to do this with you. Uh, it's an honour. It's, it's honestly an honour to do this. Um, you're a bit of a – honestly, you're actually a role model for me. I do look up to you. Uh, you know, you're a family man, ultra-endurance athlete, just an all-round good dude, and I see. You know, when we have our conversations online, the conversation we just had before this, it's um, you know, you're a good dude, and I I, I really do look up to you. So it it is an honor to to be able to sit down and no. have this conversation.
0: Thanks, mate. I know it took us a while to get here, but like a year. Oh fuck,
1: it's taken a long time to. Yeah, it has, yeah. But we're doing it. We're we having are. a conversation. Um. So look, to start this off, um. With all my episodes, I want to paint a picture of who you are, what you've been through, what you've done, uh, especially with your endurance feats. Um, but I, I sort of want to, you know, give context into to your life, and I want I want you to sort of take it away and tell us because you've you've had a quite a rough upbringing, um, and to see where you are now, there is a massive leap. There's a big arc from what you were back then to what you're doing now and who you are. Yeah. So, yeah, if you want to tell us, you know, especially with the video that you brought out, I think well, it's had 35,000 views um, and it gives a bit of an insight into, you know, what you've been through and I'll put that all in the show notes and that for people to watch. Um, but I sort of want to dive that a little bit deeper into, you know, how you navigated that.
0: Yeah, well, um, I suppose if you really want to go back to, back to the start, um, you know, my mother, uh, she had a very interesting upbringing mm-hmm. uh, it 's a very tough um and heartbreaking upbringing and uh and from that she she got a lot of mental health issues that stems from her childhood um uh my mother and father uh, they were both born uh in the u k uh, my dad was born in Kent uh, my hey. mum, yeah yeah <laughs> and uh, and my mother uh was born in Wisbech, mm-hmm. and um but as a child, my mother uh, came to Australia and um, my grandfather bought a strawberry farm in the late 50s and um, they settled in the Redlands, Redlands Coast where, where I reside now. And, um, but my, you know, my grandfather, was he was quite a nomad, so eventually he sold the strawberry farm to some family and, um, yeah, he wanted to travel around Australia. And, and um, yeah, my mum ended up going to, you know, a few uh, living in, yeah a few indigenous communities and um and you know eventually when they'd had enough of uh traveling around australia uh they moved uh, back to england and uh, i suppose that's where she met my father but um but yeah during that time um yeah my mother was uh she was sexually abused by um a family member mm-hmm. and um and that really I think that's what started my mum's decline, and um, and I suppose when I was born, um, I, I was probably born into the worst part of my mum's life. Mm-hmm. My two older brothers had experienced, you know, some really good times, um, but I suppose when I was born, um, things were quite chaotic. Uh, there was a lot of domestic violence within the house, um, you know, um, due to my mother's mental health issues. Mm. Um, you know, my father couldn't handle it at times. Um, you know, a lot of it was, you know, over money as well. We we were poor. We were really poor. Uh, you know, my dad was in and out of jobs. And um, and when I say poor, I mean
1: and what does that look like? When like we hear poor, yeah, and it's like like. like you know, couldn't afford rent or something. What what does what does poor look like? Okay, so life?
0: um, for example, if you were to look in the cupboard, mm-hmm. um, there wasn't anything in there. Um, if you look in the fridge, there'd probably be uh, a milk carton that had been there for you know two weeks. Um, you know, there wasn't anything substantial. Mm-hmm. There wasn't fruit. There wasn't bread. Mm-hmm. There wasn't you know all this amazing stuff in the fridge and the cupboard. Um, so at times if we were to have, um, breakfast before school, um, you know, we'd have, you know, we'd get out the porridge and then, you know, you'd pour milk onto the porridge and you'd see the weevils that were in the oats. Mm. Um, the milk was off. Um, you know, sometimes we'd have powdered milk, um, because they couldn't afford to buy, you know, full cream milk. Um. And even going to school, taking school lunches, um, you know, there were a lot of times I'd either go to school without lunch or I would find a tomato in the bottom of the fridge and that's what I'd take to school. Um,
1: So from very early on it was very much fight or flight for you? Yeah,
0: yeah, pretty much. Like I was wearing hand-me-down school clothes, you know. um, If I didn't have shoes, uh, I'd be wearing sandals at school. Uh, If I did have shoes, they would have holes in them or... Or whatever it may be. Um, yeah, so things... But I didn't know any different, I suppose, at that time. Uh, it wasn't until I got to school, you know, when I was taking like a tomato to school and then everyone's like, why have you got a tomato? Mm. I was like, you know, I would deflect and I'd be like, I'd make it this the most amazing thing. And I'd be so enthusiastic about <laughs> this tomato. I'd be like, are you kidding me? You don't eat tomatoes? <laughs> <laughs> so I think at an early age, um, I learnt to mask I guess, mm. how I really felt. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there were times when, you know, when we did have lunch, we would have like a sandwich or something, but I would find my sister's classroom and I would stick it in her bag so I, I knew that she wouldn't be able to sustain her day just having whatever she had at that time. I gave her mine as well. So there were days when I would go hungry mm. at school. But, um, but yeah, deflecting back to, you know, be, trying to be enthusiastic about this tomato, um, that's where I really learned to um mask uh, a lot of emotions um you know, I'd go to school as a happy, bubbly kid with energy um but that was just to hide you know what I was actually feeling um and i had to I had to grow up really quick um being that young kid um There was a moment i guess that really stands out um that really painted a picture of where um, my mother's mental health was. Um, we were getting ready for school one morning. Yeah. Um, I'd like to say I was in about year three. Yeah. Um,
1: it's uh, like it just put like saying year three puts into perspective how young. Yeah. You know, how young you were to go through this?
0: Yeah, yeah, crazy. And and I remember these moments because, as I said to you, I, I had to grow up real quick. Yeah. I remember these moments, it, it it actually feels like it happened yesterday. Mm. They're so vivid. Um and I suppose um you know I, I, like I think about these moments in life and like
1: they're core memories. Yeah, that yeah. Stand
0: out, yeah. that's right. And they're very traumatic, I guess. Um but we were getting ready for school uh one day. Um, myself and my sister, my younger sister, um she's two years younger. And um and we had a knock at the door and my mother went into a panic. Like she started screaming and coming in the room and saying, get under the bed, get under the bed. Someone's here. They're going to kill me. You need to get under the bed. You need to get under the bed. And, um, and um you know, for me as a kid, I'm like, oh, my God, someone's here. They're going to kill us. You know, like this is what I'm being told by my mother. Yeah. So we're hiding under the bed and – um and, yeah, knock at the door, knock at the door. And then after a while, it, it just stops. And then my mother's like, you need to you grab your bag. Let's go. We're packing up. We're, yeah. um, we're going to go to your grandmother's. And, um, and we end up walking like 15K to my grandmother's house with bags on yeah. a busy road. And, um, and, you know, got to my grandmother's house. And, uh, and my father was there. My, my grandmother had called my father. And uh yeah, it was that moment when I learned that mum was mum was really sick. Mm. And um it turned out the knock at the door was just a next door neighbour just checking in. Oh, okay. And um and yeah, it wasn't too long after that um my mother and father they they separated um which was, you know, for the best, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> for my father, uh unfortunately, uh the Court awarded my mother the custody of myself and my younger sister, which was an idea. Mm. Um, so around this time, we had a uh, family friend who was um, he was heavily involved uh, with bikies, mm. um, sold drugs, alcoholic, um, very abusive. Mm. Uh, I remember one day he was a mechanic. Um, I remember one day my father and I had gone town, ta- gone down to his shop where he was working and we get there and, you know, he's got a busted nose and busted eye and he's, you know, drunk and everything. Um, you know, he just wasn't a good guy and um, he mixed around with a lot of, you know, seedy people. Mm. And, um, yeah, he'd obviously been paid a visit by someone he owed money to. So, uh, you know, I knew this guy for for seeing him like that. Mm. And um, my mother, strangely enough, who used to be against drugs and alcohol and all this sort of stuff, she was attracted to that. Mm. So they end up getting together Mm. uh, after her and my father split. And it was... It was... Brutal from the get-go um, I remember we moved in with him and um, We were we were moving some things around and I had accidentally bumped over his motorbike and It was You know, it was just a freak accident mm. And he Picked up a wrench And he threw it at the back of my head And I just, I oh, it felt like I was walking on eggshells. That was it. From that moment forward, I had to be really careful. Um,
1: but to be and exposed to that at such a fucking young age, yeah. Like, seriously, like no child, like teenager, whatever, deserves any of that. And that was your that's your life for that you know, amount of time. It's it 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 kills me because you know we've both got kids. Mm. You would never put your child through that ever. You, no. you try to shelter them as much as you possibly could, mm-hmm. but you know I, f- I do feel for you. You know you don't deserve that. Well, moving
0: forward, like, I, I wouldn't wish it upon anyone to have had the childhood that I've had, and there are a lot of kids who have been through worse things. Um, you know, I was, I was really lucky. I, you know, I was able to, you know, get through it, but. Um, you know, like, um, my mother and her boyfriend who eventually became my stepfather. Um, they were always going out drinking, going to parties. Um, you know, um, they would often leave my sister and I at home, uh, by ourselves. Um, uh, I remember one particular night which, um, changed my life. Um, I really knew where I stood, um, after this moment and I was... Um, I was in year four and they'd gone out drinking and it was roughly around 10 o'clock at night. I remember my sister and I, school night, uh, I remember watching TV and we had a knock at the door and uh, I looked through the curtain and there was a group of men and I recognised one of them. Um, he'd been around before. Um, so to me, he was family friend. Or friend of mum's and and um, my mum's boyfriend and um so i i opened the door and they ransacked the house they came through they took anything worth you know worth anything uh, which wasn't a lot but um you know len had had um had owed them money um so they just yeah they they took everything they ransacked the whole house and then they left and i remember um I remember trying to call, you know, my mum, you know, come home. This is what's happened. And, um, and then they finally got home and immediately um, my mum's boyfriend launched at me, grabbed me by the throat, dragged me down the hallway and threw me through a wall. Yeah. Um, it was that moment. That I knew I was in for one hell of a ride, um, I knew um, I knew things were going to get real tough um, and they did. It was a a common occurrence on a weekly basis where you know he would you know put me in a chokehold or he'd push me up against the wall or um, and it was heartbreaking because. My mother wasn't doing anything yeah. about it. she let it happen um you know and this this went on for a really, really long time and um you know it it really affected me um and another occasion um they had taken us to um this um i guess at the time it was a a bikey gathering or someone's house um, and, um, and I'd fallen asleep. My sister and I had fallen asleep and um, they left us there. This random place, they left us there. And I remember waking up in the early morning, like two, three o'clock in the morning, in a room full of grown men passed out. I'd vomit all over my leg. From someone who'd vomited on me whilst I was sleeping. And I remember just waking up in tears, screaming like I didn't know where I was. And then um yeah, a lady had, had come out after waking her up and you know, she'd phone, she'd phone my mum and said, Come and get your son, like, come and get your kids. Like just the recklessness of that. I just it blows my mind to this day that a mother's treatment. Mm, And, um, so yeah, so a lot of this stuff went on for a lot of years Mm. and eventually, um, you know, eventually, uh, you know, got to high school, Mm. um, you know, again, I was masking what I was going through, you know, I was going to school, you know, happy and, and all this. And, um, and it just wasn't the case. Um. My mother got really bad. She, uh, Her mental health declined, was declining, you know, year by year. It was getting really bad to the point where she wasn't even remembering my birthdays. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, uh, you know, it'd be my birthday and um, I wouldn't say anything. And then later in the evening, you know, I'd remind my mum, you know, it's my birthday, you know. Uh, she'd get so angry with herself, more angry with me for reminding her. And um, she, she wasn't... Um, she never got physical with me. Um, it was more mental abuse from her, like emotional abuse. But she used Len, who was now my stepfather, um, as a hitman. So he was physical. Yeah. So in a few instances, if I would remind my mother, "But hey, it's my birthday," or or whatever it was, jug cord. That was it. Straight straight to the kitchen. Jug cord. Whack. Like that was that was you know um i can still feel that yeah. today uh, that 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 whip yeah. you know you can taste it in your mouth um and you know it, by the time i reached the age of 13 i'd i'd been through hell i'd really taken um i'd really taken a beating and um and there's a particular couple of weeks Um, that led to one of the hardest moments of of my life, most traumatic experience I've I've ever had to go through. Um, And um, I remember... um, uh, um, Sorry, I just need to take a
1: second. Take your time. Like seriously, take your time. And you, you got to remember, this is, as I said, this is a safe, mm. this is a safe space for you. To talk about this. This isn't, you know, there is no judgment here. There is no judgment by Jai, anyone.
0: Uh, my stepfather, he, he was, he was never in work. Um, he's always drinking, and I don't, and I don't know how he got this job. But he started, driving, um, he started driving a special needs bus. It was the easiest thing for him to do. It was only for a few hours a day. And, um, and he would drive this bus. And as punishment for me, even not doing anything, a punishment for me would be for him to take me to school in this bus um, with, with all the special needs kids. And um and I would beg him to not drop me off at school. Drop me out anywhere else, I'll walk. But um he he was always punishing me. Um and this one particular day, um he dropped me right at the front of school um and I was so embarrassed. Um I I I hid on the floor, I was like, please, just take me down the street, around the corner, just, just let, me, let me off down there. And he was swear at me, dragging me, and um, he opened the doors, and he just threw me out of the bus. I remember just falling into, into where the gutter was. And I just remember all the kids was laughing. I just remember everyone laughing. Friends, I remember friends seeing me. It was just, it was really traumatic because I was already having a a tough time at home. I really didn't need to be having a tough time at school either. And, um, you know, and then obviously, you know, childish school teenage behaviour, you'd get picked on, you'd start getting called names, um, you know, oh, you know, you're this, you're that, um, because they'd seen me getting off off this bus and uh and it, and it really hurt and that that was what's that's what led to um that's what led to some really tough times in those next two weeks um my best mate um who's still one of my best mates today he saw that I was having a hard time and he's like hey do you want to wag school let's just get out of school don't worry about it and i was like yeah i really i can't can't be here and um yeah, we spent the spent the day running around, um, you know, my hometown, and uh, it was really fun. Um, I was never allowed out as a kid, so um, in that moment, I'll, I felt free. Um, and he's like, D- "Do you want a do you want a ninety cent hot dog?" And I was like, "You got money?" And he's like, "Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll buy you a hot dog." So we went to the local service station where they sold 90 cent hot dogs. Yeah. All these massive hot dogs—they <laughs> were the best. And uh, he brought me a 90 cent hot dog, and we're sitting there at the service station. And who pulls in for fuel? But my stepfather. Oh, you fucking kidding? Um, he just ripped me straight in the car, and um, yeah, got home, and um, yeah, again, boom, jug cord, um. He uh threw me into my bedhead and I'd I'd split my eye mm. uh just underneath my eye. And um and that weekend I was meant to go to my father's house. Um and he was living at Burley Heads at the time. And um and then I wasn't allowed to go because my stepfather didn't wanna didn't want my dad to see that I had just cut under my eye and um and he knew that, you know, he'd he'd probably get his ass handed to him had he known what had happened. So they stopped me from going. And um, you know, the following week, um you know, I got I got suspended from school for fighting. Um again, you know, stepfather just you know, that was it. I just I copped the beating of a lifetime. Mm-hmm. And then they thought it was in my best interest that I'd see a psychiatrist mm-hmm. because I was the one with the problem. They couldn't understand why I was so angry and um, you know, why I was playing up. And, uh, so they took me to the psychiatrist. And, um, and the, lady, the lady asked me a question. She asked, she asked my mother and, and, um, and my stepfather to wait outside. And she asked me a question. She said, um, I, I want you to draw me a picture. Um, just, just draw me a picture. And then, so I, I drew a picture and, um, you know, I must've, I must've drawn, um, like a, a face with a, you know, sad face or an angry face on it. And she goes, "What well, you know, what, what's this? Why did you draw this? And I was like, oh, I just drew it. And she's like, tell me about, um, tell me a couple of things. What's it like at home? Rara? And I thought, it, I thought this is the best opportunity mm. for me to tell her what it had been happening. And I told her and she brings in my mother and stepfather and she told them. She told them. She asked myself and my stepfather to step outside while she spoke to mom. And as soon as I got outside, Len shoved me into the, the corner of this, this wall. And he goes, you fucking little prick.
1: Hmm.
0: And, um, and then on the drive home, mate, it was it was chaos in the car. Yeah, yeah, my mom and uh, Len they were screaming and carrying on. And we got to a section in uh, Alex Hills, just not from not too far from where I live. And I just had enough. eh? I was just like, I was like, you know, shut up. Just like, Mm. you know, my sister and I were in the car. And he took his belt off and he reached around and he's just grabbed me by the throat and he's just wailing into me like he's just, he's just hitting me. Yeah. And I'd had enough. Hey, I was, I'm done. Opened the car door. Boom. Rolled out. I had hoped that a car coming the other way would just clean me up. I was done. I didn't want to go through that anymore. Um, I'd spent a couple of days in hospital after rolling out of the car. and um, And then, you know, I went to school. I came home. I walked into my bedroom and I tried to take my life. And... I remember sitting there on the floor, just numb. I'd been through so much, and I'd taken, a, taken so much on. I'd had, a, I'd had enough. I was like, I'd be called, you know, I'd be called worthless, you know, good for nothing, You're not going to do anything with your life. Um, I didn't trust anyone. Um, the best thing for me in that moment was to not be here. And um, and then after that moment, um, after I attempted to take my life, I went to stay with my father. And, um, and a week later, I was like, I, I want to go back. Wanna go back. I wanna run the school cross country and I I wanna I wanna go back. And myself uh, and my my father's just like, you know, I'm not taking it back. You're not going back there, for, you know, we need to sort all this out. I was like, No, I wanna go back. And then um he's like, righto. I was like, I don't have any shoes for a school cross country. Um he's like, Well, I, I can't give you money because you can't go get them yourself give your mother money um she's just going to spend it on alcohol or drugs or whatever it might be i can't buy them because if i send you home with a brand new pair of shoes you're going to get in a lot of trouble mm. you know stupid mm. um sure enough dad gave my mum some money hoping she would buy me some shoes and sure enough she didn't she brought you know a couple of bottles of scotch and mm. So I went to school. At the time, I'd been wearing these massive um, Doc Martin boots, yeah. uh, steel cap boots. I'd been wearing them to school for such a long time and they were so heavy. And, um, you know, I was, I was crying. That, that morning, I was blowing my eyes out. I just could not believe it that I couldn't run this school cross-country because, you know, I had no shoes. Yeah. I was embarrassed. It was so embarrassing. Yeah. And I remember getting to school. Um, you know I had red eyes but everyone kept coming up to me going are you okay what's wrong and then um, and then I remember sitting on the sideline and I remember uh, we had a so whilst I was um, yeah whilst I was in year 8 I think it might have been um, we had a year 12 rep that would come down and you know she would always be there for us it, had we need her for anything you know to do with the school and um, I really confided in her, I, you know. I, I told her what was what was happening, and I told her I was I was so upset. And then, um, and then everyone lined up. Everyone lined up for a school cross country. I just I just couldn't do it. I was too embarrassed to run in my boots. And everyone, you know, wearing their fancy shoes. Mm. Um, and there was this one kid I just really wanted to beat. Um, he was just the fast kid at the school. And, um, yeah, I just sat there just watching them all line up. And then pistol goes up and then, bang, gun goes off and they're running. And I was just like, fuck it. I'm going to go. Got up. Boom. Started running. In your dock mark In my Doc Martin Good. boots. And um, I just I ran as hard as I could. I was only like 3K. But I ran as hard as I could. I I just I just I don't know. Something came over me in that moment. It felt like I'd been through so much. So a pair of Doc Martin boots weren't gonna it's stop nothing. me. It's nothing. And um and I remember them just rubbing hard on my heels. Mm. They were rubbing so hard. I knew that I was getting some pretty messed up blisters on the back of my heels and the side of my toes. Mm. I just didn't care, hey, I just kept running. And, um, yeah, I was just, I was just trying to overtake as many people as I could. I was so far behind. And then, um, I remember coming back down, um, the straight, which is just past the touch fields uh, near the high school. And I just gave it everything I had and I could see, I could see the leader yeah. in my eyesight. And then, uh, I ended up finishing fourth and, um, and I made districts, but, um, I didn't care about any of that. You didn't. Yeah. Um, no one knew what I'd been going through, you know, up until that moment. No one had a clue what I was going through. Mm. For me, it was, it, was, it was a defining moment yeah. um, within myself. I was like, you know what? Fuck, you just did that. Mm. I felt invincible. You know, and it was, um, it was an, we're given opportunities every day. Every second, every minute, every hour of every day, we're given opportunities, right? And in that moment, I had an opportunity. I could go down the path that, you know, my mother and stepfather expected me to go down. You know, I could have went down a path of drugs, alcohol, you know, really had a shit life or i could go down the other path where i was just like you know what i'm going to do some really cool things in life you know that's the path i want to that's the path i want to go down and i really had to I was, it was a real thinking moment mm. you know um like for example i could take a drink out of this bottle of water and i'll take a drink and then i'll spill some and then a lot of people would probably go, "Oh, look how much you spilt." Mm. For me, it's like, well, "Look how much is left in the bottle." Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, I, I, I could have went, "Look, look how many bad things have happened to me." Stuff it. Look how many. I'm still here, mm. I'm still standing. Look how much strength I just got from doing what I just did. And I suppose after that, I, I became, I became, <laughs> I became reckless within myself. I um I had two um two of my mates. Um they said, Hey, um we started boxing down the local boxing gym. Do you wanna come down? Mm. I was like, Yeah, yeah I do. And um I went down with them one day. Um I knew that I had to be home straight after school. I went down to the boxing gym and uh, you know, I jumped in the spa and <laughs> I just got my ass handed to <laughs> me. Um, uh, my nose was all busted up and i Busted lips and, um, but it was that moment moving forward that I was like, I want to box. That's that's mm-hmm. what I want to do. Um, and sure enough, I got home and yeah, I was in a I was in a lot of trouble, but I wasn't backing down this time. I was I was standing up to myself and I was standing up against my stepfather, which wasn't ideal. Mm-hmm. Uh, He's was a solid unit, and um, but I I'll, I I'll, I'll, Nothing fazed me after that. I, I, I felt like this crazy strength inside myself.
1: Resil- just like, you know, we'll talk about it a bit later, but that resilience piece of, you know, you have to go through the hard shit in mm-hmm. life. And unfortunately, you know, what happened to you was heavy. Like, there's no way around it. There's no sugarcoating that. There's no glamorising that. It was shit. It To me, I was trying not to cry listening to that just because I've seen it in, you know, with friend groups of mine friends of mine i've seen it i've seen it fucking firsthand and i I get it i really do and you know for you 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 had the choice as you said you could go down this path but you chose the other and it puts into perspective the person you are like actually who who kieran is you know you didn't let the dark side envelop you. you you chose the light you chose the light and it's so easy to choose the dark. It's so easy. It's as, as bad as it sounds. It's so easy to take your own life mm-hmm. because it's done. Mm-hmm. No one else, you know. It's your. It's your thing. It's what you chose to do. Do you know how hard it is to fucking fight that? To to mm. to because once you when, when you're in that moment, and a lot of people, a lot of the listeners, some of them, you know, told me that. We glamorize the dark, we mm-hmm. glamorize and go, "Oh yeah, you can get through it, but when you're in the when you when you're in the pits, when you're in the trenches, there's no hope, mm-hmm. that numbing feeling for, for you for those who know about that numbing feeling, that feeling of there's nothing there, there's no hope, there's no light, you're in the pit, you're mm-hmm. in that dark hole, Yeah. you know the analogy I use is that you know in in um Batman returns, you know he's in that big prison in that massive hole. And he's trying to get up and there's you know, there's one rope and there's one big leap he has to take from that oh, I know he's halfway up and he has to take that leap. And he finally does it on the last go and he gets out and you know, gets out of that hole. And that's the the way I look at it. And you did that. No one else did that. And to do it at such a fucking young age, you know, your your brain is still developing. You're still you know, you don't know where you're going in life and you you had the you had the fucking guts to to, to change your life. No one else did it. Mm. It was you, and you got a hats off to you. Really, hats off to you because it's it's fucking tough. Mm. It's what you went through. I don't wish that upon any any child, anybody, anybody. But you did it. You did, it. and I think it's sort of you know to sort of it's a, it's a good segue into you know that resilience piece and what you've done. With your endurance sports, with 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 sports in general, now you you did well with boxing, and then you know it seems early on you found running like your first bit of that runners high that mm. that you know, unstoppable. What's the word for that? Yeah, you know to 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 feel like nothing can touch you, mm. and it brings you into you know that that running piece, and you know it's, that's where I want to sort of dive into a bit more with you because you've yep. you've done some. You've done some big, big things. And have, <clears throat> did you use your past as, as as fuel for these? You know, you did a 500-kilometre run for fuck's sake. Like, that's... F- bowed out at 350, though. <laughs> you just say... Repeat what you just said again. <laughs> Three, you ran 350 kilometres. You don't do that off, you know, mm. a year of training. There's a mental aspect to that. There's a mental aspect to all altrues, but... You went through the shit and, and how did you use running and boxing as as a modality to, to to come out of that, to, to really pull yourself from that?
0: Running, um I, I loved running at a young age. Um and I'll just go back to um let's go back to a moment um in ninety four, possibly ninety three, I can't remember. Uh so far long ago. But um I, um, my sister had pneumonia at the time and so in, after school instead of going down to her classroom then walking out that gate across the crossing, mm. I walked out another gate and walked across the road and I got hit by a car, <laughs> broke my leg, um, and, um, spent six weeks in hospital, um, when I came out, uh, I was on crutches and, uh, friend of mine at the time, uh Nicholas, mm. he was the fastest runner runner in the school. Um and he'd always muck around and go, Oh, he tried beat me on the crutches. So I was on crutches trying to beat him one day and um I don't know, I I I don't know if it was a, um you know it was a oh, I don't know, a revelation or whatever it was, but I, I really wanted to hear running a go once I was able mm able to run again and um sure enough yeah um you know your school sports days uh loved them and i loved the feeling of being able to run and i was actually quite a good little runner Mm. Uh, i never beat nicholas but i'd always i would always play second behind nicholas and um so running at a came at a young age um i i just loved what it was about and it did allow me to escape things that were going on at home um And when I was in year seven, um, I suppose I started to get more into it. And I remember um, seeing these guys on the oval, you know, they'd all had their blocks and, you know, their spikes and all that. And I I wanted to be part of that. So I'd go and train with those guys. And, um, and yeah, so running was a, running was a really good way to escape what I was going through. Um, And then I suppose I got into high school and I was a little bit, I guess, a little bit bigger than I previously was in primary school. And I just noticed that sprinting at school, I just, I wasn't as fast as the other kids. And um, so I decided to give cross country a go. And I fell in love with cross country. Um, Such a beautiful sport. Um, So yeah, so running had always been, a uh, big part of my life. Um, my grandmother, who was over from England, uh, she was staying with us uh, for a couple of weeks. And um, and she says, you know, you're a relative of uh, a very famous runner. <laughs> and it meant nothing to me um, at the time. It, mm. I, I, you know, it still probably wasn't for a few years ago where I was like, "Holy oh, shit. Um, and she goes... Um, she showed me a photo of Sir Sebastian Coe, mm. and um, she's like, "He's a he's a distant relative of you, of yours." I was like, "Ah!" Oh. And she's like, "He's he's your mother's cousin, because uh, my my mother is Maxine Coe." And um, so, for me in my head, I'm like, "Yeah, running's in my blood. Mm. Like, I'm gonna do this." Um, but I suppose as I got older and you know I was dealing with a lot of issues, I I never I never had the energy to. To take on running, and it wasn't till uh, wasn't till two thousand fifteen uh, when I started running with Sam Weir mm-hmm. um, and Ando that um, you know I, that I really got into it. Um, you know, I just, as I mentioned before, I'd, I'd been boxing uh, for a long time, and then I was playing footy as well, and then um, you know, boxing taught me how to. It was an individual sport, mm. so. Um, it's, uh, I don't know. You really had to dig deep when you when I was in the ring. Yeah. Um, I had had such such mongrel in me. Yeah. Um, I was angry. As you would. be. Yeah, and um, and you know I'd go to tournaments and you know I I wouldn't say I was the best when I first started. I was I was I was pretty bad. I'd just I'd go in there just swinging, yeah. no technique. Hey mate. Yeah, haymakers, no technique. I'd I'd stamina, mm. but no technique whatsoever. I'd win fights, mm. but um, but I was just reckless. And my boxing coach at the time saw how how much mongrel I had. He thought, well, if I throw him in with a guy that's heavier, he's not going to care. He's just going to go hell for leather. And then I started fighting guys like <laughs> I, was, I was weighing into fights at like sixty nine kilo, yeah. seventy kilo. And then I'd, I'd be fighting guys that were like 78 kilo or 80 kilo. And then um, and I'd get bashed. <laughs> <laughs> and there was one particular moment when uh, my boxing coach, he's like, right, next week um, you're fighting a guy who's 85 kilo. Um, he's just come out of jail. <sighs> and, um, yeah, so you, you're going to fight him because he doesn't have an opponent? I was like, this is crazy. Like, I was just like, a, I was a little whippet at that yeah. stage. I was tiny. And, um, yeah, I, I realized then that um, I realized then that he, he wasn't looking after me. It wasn't the best interest for him. Uh, he didn't have my best interest at heart. So I ended up leaving and, um, and I went to another gym. And it was um, Philip Deal Holiday. So this is a guy who's um, six times IBF world champion. For mm. guys like Shane Mosley and Ivan Robinson and um, Jeff Fennick, and um, and he goes, "All right, hop in, show me what you got." So I started sparring these guys. He's like, "Ah, oh, no, 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 come here." And then um, he he worked really hard to get me to relax. Um, You've been fight or flight for so long, yeah. And
1: to relax, yeah. I was like, "What's that? Reason, what the fuck is yeah. that?" Yeah.
0: But he taught me. What it meant to box. Mm. He he got rid of all the mongrel inside of me. Um, he um, yeah he, he changed my whole perspective mm. on boxing. Um, you know, changed my mentality. Um, and I started. I, I, I won my next you know ten fights. Mm. Um, just from listening to him and learning how to box and and I thought to myself, I want to turn pro. I want to start earning some extra cash. Uh, we had a baby on the way. Um, and then, um, and then I don't know. I don't know if it was, he'd rain me down so much. I woke up one morning, I was like, you know what? I don't have any mongrel left in me. Mm. I, was, I was, I don't know, I was more relaxed. Yeah. Um, I was calm. I just felt like I didn't have it in me anymore and um so i went back to you know play footy and stuff but i really missed that individuality of sport and then so when i started running with sam and ando um you know the, sam had called me and goes hey you want to come for a you know 10k run um you know, on the trails i'm like oh dude, 10k is not trails that's brutal mm. um i'd never done more than 12K on a road, let alone doing 10K on trails. And he said, no, you would be fine. I was like, yeah, okay. So ditch work (laughs) on the Friday and went down. And, um, yeah, that's when um, I started running with Sam and I met Ando for the first time and I was hooked. And I said to Sam, he was training for a, um, and I was just explaining this uh, just before, but um, he was training for Anzac Ultra Mm. um, down in Canberra. Uh, which is 450 kilometers in the snow, raining, crazy. Mm. And uh, I was like, man, how do you even, I couldn't even comprehend that. How do you even s- start mm. to training for something like that? He's like, ah, all you do is just go for a run, run till you hurt.
1: Fuck, he said the exact same <laughs> thing to me. <laughs> yeah, it's his only advice. It was <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be over sometime. It will be over. Yeah. One foot in front of the other. If it hurts, just keep going. Yeah, just keep going, and then you'll finish. Oh, yeah, wow. okay. <laughs> running in a nutshell, basically.
0: <laughs> well, that's yeah, that's uh, it's it's his go-to advice, and um, and so I thought, okay, well, I'll give it a crack, mm. and then um, yeah, I, I woke up one morning, uh, said uh, said told my daughter, my wife was asleep at the time, and I said to my daughter when she was watching cartoons. <laughs> Like just tell Mum we'll be back soon. I'll be back soon, next hour or so. And off I went. I had no shirt, no phone, no food, no water, no hat. Mm. And um, I literally thought I'd be back, if not when my wife w- when my wife woke up, mm. I'd definitely be back. You know, for breakfast or a, at least. And uh, I ran down to the boxing gym to say good day to the guys, and and then feels uh, like well what are you doing? I'm like, I'm just going to go for a run. I said, just test the legs. He's okay. Well, um, he gave me some water and then had a sip off. I went and then, um, yeah, I just kept running. And then before I knew it, man, I was, I was, I was on the edge of the city, man. Like I'm looking at high rise buildings oh, fuck. and i was like, Oh my God, I'm hurting. Yeah. I'm hurting so bad. I'm burnt. I got chafe. Yeah. Um, you know, I was drinking at a, park taps and i was sneaking around the side of homes trying to take a sip of water yeah. so <laughs> they old rusty pipes didn't yeah. alert anyone <laughs> and um i was like man now i'm gonna have to get home mm. and um i'd started trotting away walked for a bit and i got to a shop uh, shop and um i said ask this guy if i could borrow his phone and he just gave me the weirdest look like, i must have looked yeah. terrible He's like, man, I'm not giving you anything. <laughs> but he did. He 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 let me call my wife, but my wife didn't pick up because she didn't recognise the number. And I was like, damn. So I just had yeah, to run home. Yeah, I had to run home. And um, man, she literally called the cops. Uh-huh. I was gone for 12 hours. <laughs> <laughs> so that, you know, hour of running ended up turning into 12 hours. I remember coming into the street, it was dark. Um, she sent my boxing coach to look for me because he saw me that morning. And um, she's like, you idiot. Yeah. You know, I was so worried about you. You know, I called the police. And and then um, I was like, I am never running again. I am done. I am never attempting that again. And literally, it was like a couple of days later. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm huh, again. yeah, 100 mile race at Glass House. Why not? And, uh, yeah, that was my first ever... Have a crack at um, yeah, at a trial race, yeah. and um, which was a big, big, uh, yeah, big learning curve. I learned so much from that run. Uh, I DNF'd. Mm. Um, I got to yeah, um, myself, Ando and Sam were running together, and we started like lightning. Mm. Like we we're running like four minute K's, man, on trails, on flat trails. we were just hooking. Mm. And everyone's looking at us going, you idiots. Um, I'm like, oh, yeah, sweet. And I kept up with them for about 30 kilometres. And um, and then I faded real hard. I was They were, like, pulling away. And I got to the, the next checkpoint. And I come in, and they're like, you're good? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm all good. Stood on the scales because um, at the old trail series, the Glasshouse Trail Series, you had to weigh yourself um, before you went out to do your next loop. And... Guys, going. gone, you're all right, hop on the scales, and I've gone staggering onto the scales, and boom, I just collapsed. I just I remember waking up in the chair, and I was like, oh, what happened? And you're then, um, yeah, I was so dehydrated, and then I sat there for about 20 minutes um, until I was, you know, felt good to go again, and they let me go back out again. And um, so that must have been about the 40K mark. And then um, I was sipping water out of dirty little mm. pockets of water that was on the ground because we had rain the night mm. before. And, um, and, you know, I didn't realise how sick that would make me until days later. Um, but, um, yeah, I managed to get to 86Ks. And, um, you know, my wife was crewing me at the time. I, my crew, mm. my original crew had pulled out just days before mm. to do uh, another event. I was like, oh, he's going to crew me. And then I was like, I'll just crew you. it would be easy. Like, oh, okay. So she crewed me with my uh, two kids, and but as I was running, I'm like, you know what? What if something happens? What if something happens to them whilst I'm out running? You know, it's this, you know, glass house. When it gets dark, it's a scary place. Oh yeah, yeah. And um, so i I had their best interest at heart. I was like, you know what? Um, I'm I'm I don't want anything to happen to these guys. And I was hurting, and I was just like, you know what? Easy excuse. That's it. I'm DNFing. Mm. Um and yeah, and th- you know, it was a learning curve. You know, I I just well, look at that arc like like from someone you
1: know it, it, was, uh, <laughs> it was it was abuse. You were abused as a child and mm-hmm. then you know, look at what you're doing now like you, you sign up to these races and it it, it again uh, it brings it back to you. You did this. You brought you as hard as it was you, t- you brought yourself out of that fucking hole by yourself we, we, like we, we like to say uh, people helped and all that and, and you know running was a, a vessel that you used and boxing was a vessel but regardless of those you you did it you did it you know in in the lens of healing you know your healing how are you now like you have you gone to see people have you you know have you gotten the help that you needed for that or was yeah look um you
0: know to t- talk about some of these um, moments in time and and challenges i'm not going to lie it's it's been hard over the years uh talking about them uh it's <coughs> only probably now that i can talk about these things without getting you know very emotional um it hurts to talk about mm. But it's definitely easy to talk about you know I would I would go speak at events um, um, and one event in particular I was down um, in Melbourne mm. and uh, I was uh, talking at an event that two of my friends uh, were hosting and I just got so emotional I got the words out but I was just I was I was crying hard hey mm. and it was only because I hadn't hadn't dealt with all that trauma mm. I hadn't dealt with it. I'd started speaking about it, th- hoping that it would help me, mm. but the more I spoke about it, the more it just became harder and harder mm. to to control my emotions um, I'd just get so upset and um, and it was because i hadn't hadn't really confronted i guess a hundred percent what I'd gone through I needed to to get through that. And you know, eventually, it led to me learning, which was a hard process, but learning to forgive. Mm. Um, I I contacted, uh, actually contacted my mother. I hadn't seen my mother in years, years, and I received her email through my older brother, who had communication with my mother. And um, and I thought, you know what, the best way to heal is through forgiveness. And I reached out to her, I said, you know what, um, I forgive you. Yeah. for Everything you put me through, that Len put me through, um, I, I forgive you. Um, I didn't want a relationship uh, with her. Um, I just wanted her to go through life knowing that she was forgiven. And I received an email back um, with an apology. That was enough for me. That was a huge weight off my shoulders, massive weight off my shoulders. I didn't think I'd had the strength to be able to forgive someone for putting me through what they had. And as one door closed another challenge arose was me attempting to uh tackle other moments that I had never confronted before um and i, I and to be honest i was only able to i've only just now been able to talk about it um and when when i when I'd been going through um you know those moments when you know I talk about um lamb being physical with me my mum's boyfriend being very physical with me and all those moments um mum had left me um she'd had a gut full and she'd left me with a family uh family member here on the gold coast and this was someone i I looked up to um he was uh he was a bodybuilder um he was like yeah he was like superman to me mm. um so i was, I was happy to happy to stay there this man this man sexually abused me now, going through what I'd been going through at home and then having to go through this, I really felt worthless. Mm. I couldn't trust anyone Mm. I was so scared to tell anyone Um, This guy was a big dude I was so scared of him And this happened multiple times Mm. Over a course of a year And this is something I've only just now been able to talk about
1: And Um, I I appreciate you feeling comfortable enough to talk about it Because it's Tell you what, that Fucking hard. Mm. That is fucking hard. Last year for me and my mates. So uh, luckily for me, my group of mates, <laughs> four of my best mates from high school, it all happened to, including myself. And only last year, I dealt with. I finally fucking dealt with it. And it still lingers. I feel tainted sometimes. And I mm-hmm. feel. I feel like, you know, why me? Um, but I think the biggest takeaway is that it's not our fault. It's not it's never our fault. it's something that's happened to us, and I guess it's how we deal with it as as adults um how we internalize it that that will that will help us in the future we may we may not ever get over it fully however at least you know if we can talk about it openly on on a platform such as a podcast or any anything a conversation in person you know it gives permission for others to feel and heal basically mm. so I appreciate you you know being able to do this on here. No, thanks, mate. That's um,
0: yeah, you're right. You 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 don't ever get over it. It's always sitting in the in you know in the pit of your stomach or the back of your mind. Um, but it's a process. I guess you need to take, especially when you you know you do have a family. Um, you know you're not just doing this for yourself. You're doing it for them as well. Um, you know it just it's always about trying to become. A better version of yourself, yeah. um, and it's unfair to it's unfair to put yourself through all that trauma, so many years of trauma, mm-hmm. and you owe it to yourself to confront it mm-hmm. and learn how to move forward. That's been the hardest thing: is learning how to move forward. I've held held on to so much anger and embarrassment. Um, I was too embarrassed to tell anyone. There were so many times I I felt there was a great opportunity to tell someone, and I just felt so embarrassed. So whilst I was speaking at these events, I hadn't confronted any of that. Whilst I was up there speaking, I was thinking about those things. Mm. and It was making me so emotional. I just couldn't get the words out. And and I, I guess running running ultras and running Mm. distance they've allowed me to grow Mm. and to adapt to hard times Mm. and to be able to think about a lot of things whilst i'm running Mm. um and sort a lot of stuff out uh, within myself that allows me to then go out and um speak to people Mm. tell people um you know what i've been going through um And even like uh, over the last few years, even like doing running events and stuff, Mm. I can see how it affects me because I do think about the hard times I went through. A lot of that motivates me. That's my motivation to get through most of these events. Um, But it still didn't – there was still – something was still blocking me from moving forward and it wasn't wasn't until last year when I was like really confronting things. That allowed me to finally be the person I want to be, mm. um, you know, the athlete I want to be. Um, you know, i i I placed it, um, came third at the Glasshouse Hundred K last year. Um, that was a big thing for me because if you're holding on to so much anger and so much bitterness, and you. you you're reliving all these things that you went through it's not allowing you to be the person mm. that you so so wholeheartedly deserve to be but cuz i'd started laying myself and i felt a lot more free i felt relaxed when i ran mm. so it'll it allowed me to push harder um so for me to place on that podium i was like man you know what this is this is fantastic
1: this is this is a full-blown story of like redemption of triumph mm. and this is why i do the podcast you know, i i love hearing these stories of hell you've gone to hell and ba- you went you went to fucking hell twice all your childhood um and it's great it's not great it's not the word and it's fantastic to hear you know you're in a good place you in a we're never in a there's always we can strive for perfection we can always go that you know we want to be better we want to be better but it's great to hear that you're in a really good place right now Mm. and you know you're doing everything with intent to be better to get better up here and physically which is you know some people can't do that um how are we going for time oh good cool you know we've been here for like an hour and 20 and it feels like i just i just looked at it's been about yeah an hour and 20 um I th- You know, I think – sorry, got sidetracked. No, there. no, you're right. Um, you know, I just – this is a story, you know, to recap it, you, you you were a victim of domestic violence and you were sexually abused as a kid. Those two combined, that gives any reason for anybody to go kill themselves. Mm. Anybody. Anybody to take the dark path – addiction drugs alcohol anything and you chose not to and then you have a look at the you know the endurance feats you have, you've you done um you know you're a, it looks like a fantastic father and and you you chose not to go down you did you're doing the work these ultra endurance runs yeah like they help but you you know you've got such a good support network around you've got a community there and and that's all you can ask for, and that's all you can really do. And especially in your case, it's how you fucking hats off to you. Yeah. Really. Thanks, mate. So, you know, I bring to, you know, sort of land this, bring us back up, bring us back down, whatever, which way you want to <laughs> do it. I always ask, you know, two questions for the person out there that has gone through what you've been through, or worse, or less. What is your message to them? What is something that you can give them that could be of value? If it lands, it lands. If it doesn't, it doesn't. What is something you can give that person in the fucking hole to help themselves?
0: Yeah, that's a really good good question and a hard question to answer. But, um, perseverance. It's, I guess weighing up what you've been through and drawing strength from that that is the ultimate thing you can do the difference between suffering and you know forget about forget about the suffering side of things what strength did you draw from that um yeah so it's it's you got to forget the things that you've Mm. not forget what you've been through. But when you're trying to get better and trying to get help, you need to look at the strength that you gain from those experiences. That's what's going to get you back up. That's what made me stand up after, you know, trying to take my life. I thought, well, hell, I've I've been to hell. I can't go any lower. Mm. The only thing for me to do then was to rebuild something that had been crumbling for years it was a strength i drew from what i'd been through um that allowed me to stand back up yeah. and say well hey um that's not the life i want what defines me is what i'm going to do next that's 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 what defines me as a person you know what defines you you need to, you need to find that defining moment um it's yeah, nice. yeah.
1: And the other question, and so it's a new one and I, I think, you know, puts it back on you. What is something you wish people knew about you? It can be anything. Really something that you wish my audience or the friends and family around you knew about you? Um,
0: I love 50s music. No. I love, love Bing Crosby.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> um, there's a real soft side to me. Like This is where social media, I guess, comes into play. I, um, What you see on social media doesn't represent that person. What I put up and post, I, I try to be as real as I, I can, especially some of the things that I write about. And I try being my true self uh, on social media. However, I might come across like, I'm this super energetic, um, you know, super charisma. Mega dad. Yeah, like um, love going to events and love doing this and love doing that. And, man, I am such an introvert,
1: (laughs) such an introvert. That's why we get along so well. Oh,
0: I I don't like venturing out into crowds. Hmm. I don't do crowds well. Uh, I get real, uh, get real bad anxiety, um, heading into crowds, uh, or events, even, you know, barbecues or parties that I get invited to. I, I don't go. Um, I just, I feel more comfortable just being in my own space. Um, you know, I'm a real family man, um, love spending time with my kids, um, and, um, but yeah, but I know a lot of people, um, that they definitely think that, you know, I'm this person who just loves, you know, going out in the life of the party. And, and, and don't get me wrong, I love, I love hanging out with, you know, a good group, of, good group of friends and, you know, having a couple of beers and, you know, relaxing and, and you know, chilled out music. But there's a big part of me it just loves chilling at home, going for a run, um, you know, just being you, yeah, just yourself. yeah, yeah, just um, it's where I'm most comfortable. Um, so I guess you know that's something a lot of people don't don't realize.
1: That's good.
0: Yeah, and I suppose um w- w- when we made um the Finding Salvation doco, um, I, I really wanted to talk about um what sort of person I was because there were years where I had um you know flown here and flown there and done like little events and stuff. And I hated it. I just hated it. So yeah, now I'm in a place where I'm able to just be me. um, And yeah, it's, it's, it's good. It's good to be yourself. Good man. Yeah.
1: Um, Look, um, I know we've, we've gone way over time. (laughs) Sorry. Um, But yeah, look, I just want to end this with a massive just thank you for sharing that. It's tough to share any of that um you know what you're doing who you are again as i said i, I i've aspired to be like you uh, in my own way um you know you've gone through hell you've come back you went back there again and then you've come back and look at the person you are now it seems like you're in a good place you know, and things change you know as i've said before there's many seasons in life and mm. you know might get cold quite soon. Might get hot. We don't That's know. Right, yeah. so we just ride the wave. So yeah, look. Appreciate you driving to do this and you know, opening up about that and really talking about that and take some fucking guts to do that.
0: And yeah, hats off to you. And thanks, Kent, What you doing with the podcast, mate? Yeah, I've, I've wanted to be on this podcast for a long time, and um, you've, you're definitely reaching uh, the souls of people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, I've always heard good things. Um, you've definitely saved lives mate Um, yeah and you know credit to yourself for opening up such a space uh, you know for people like myself um, to come here share their story and hope encourage and inspire other people who are going through these things and um, you've done that over and over and over over the last couple of years so you know credit to yourself and yeah I really thank you for having me thank you Cheers, mate.
1: If you did enjoy this week's episode of the Running Deep Podcast, please take two minutes out of your day to rate and review on the podcast app of your choice, either Apple Podcast or Spotify, or actually any platform that you use. Um, It helps with the rating system um, and, you know, it boosts the pod. So if the podcast is boosted, the more people get to hear it and potentially able to save some more lives and, and, you know, hopefully change the trajectory of someone's life. Uh, Or you can tell your friends, share or tag online. If you don't know, it'll be all in the show notes.